the moment, it feels like everyone is talking about NFTs. We've seen pictures of monkeys, tweets, and what looks like stick figures sell for millions of dollars. Hundreds of celebrities have got on board the hype and Gary Vaynerchuk's fee friends introduced so many of us to smart contracts and why these are helping to build momentum in the space. If you're sitting here thinking, why would someone pay so much money for something they could right-click and save? We're going to break down exactly what they are, why they're so valuable, and how to navigate your way through the hype. This week's guest is Matt Lambert, who is the head of operations at SwiftX. He is extremely passionate about all things NFTs and even takes us on a journey into the metaverse, where we unpack why this concept is the key to unlocking the real power and value of NFTs. So if you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran, or just crypto curious, I am your host, Alicia Chapman, and this is Tapping Into Crypto. Welcome to the podcast, Matt Lambert. It is so good to have you here. I I am privileged to be here. And we are at the SwiftX offices today. Matt, what do you do at SwiftX? I am the head of operations for SwiftX. And so I just look after operations. (laughs) And all the things in the background. So it means that you guys, when you're on the platform, it's nice and easy and smooth and fun. That's exactly right. It's like a seamless customer experience and you don't see us all running like crazy in the background. Yeah, although you see it here. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually have about 60 mice all running on little hamster wheels, and that's what's making it. That's what it feels like some days, hey, in the worlds of operations. Amazing. So we're here to chat about something that is super hot in the market today. Mm-hmm. We are chatting about all things NFTs. Yes. Uh, very exciting. Been close to my heart. Um, it's funny, everyone in the office are like, NFTs? Oh, you need to talk to Lambo about that because I post across all the different Slack channels, all the different new NFT drops and what they are and how they work and... It's pretty exciting. You are the go-to guy and 100%. Your knowledge in this space is so incredible. So we're going to start off with NFTs and then we're actually going to take you guys on a journey. We're going to take you into something called the metaverse, which is one of the most exciting concepts and just something that you need to understand. If you want to know about NFTs, there's one tiny part of it that most of the world knows about and we're going to take you to that deeper level today as well. That is correct. So starting with NFTs, what are they? NFTs are non-fungible tokens. So an NFT is a piece of digital asset, I suppose, uh, that is crafted or minted that allows a person to purchase it like a piece of artwork. So you could have an image or an audio file or a movie or a bit of footage or something like that. And what happens is that it's minted. So you take the original content and you mint it through an NFT minting platform. And then what that does is that then puts at a very high level the NFT on the blockchain. And then when you purchase that NFT, your purchase and your ownership of that NFT goes on the blockchain as well. So everyone knows that you own this little bit of digital media. Whatever um, that is. Whatever that is. Yes. Yes. Amazing. And that minting process, it's kind of like attaching all of that information to that asset. That so great. it's like who you are, not necessarily your name, but you know, your profile, when you purchased it, how much you purchased it for, like every piece of information is attached to that in that minting process. That is correct. Yes. yes. Amazing. Cool. Okay. And we're seeing so much hype at the moment in this. What do they say? Like, don't, don't, don't believe the hype. Well, I think, (laughs) I think in this scenario, like you can't believe a bit of it to be honest, because like, you know, you saw Jack Dorsey, you know, he sold his first tweet for $16 million or something like that as an NFT. You know, Martha Stewart has just dropped an NFT drop for Halloween, like Martha Stewart. And so like, it's like when, you know, you get into an Uber and the Uber driver starts recommending crypto to you, you know, it's like, wow, if my Uber driver is recommending me some crypto, I've probably missed the boat. But 
not the case with NFTs because we are at the, the dawn of time when it comes to NFTs. And, you know, what I keep talking about is the NFTs are merely the launching point to something that's very hot at the moment, which is the metaverse. Yes. And we have just seen Facebook go through its rebrand this week to Meta, which is, is correct. you know, start of this journey. So when we're looking at NFTs, so you've purchased this asset. Why would someone want to purchase it? That's the question I think that comes up the most for me when someone who doesn't understand what an NFT is, is like, well, I could just copy and like save, right click, save as. Okay, I'll give you this example, right? So, like, if I went and bought a Banksy, um, there's a lot of data around me buying Banksy, for example, right? So, I've got to go over to London and I'll jump into Sotheby's and there'll be a Banksy auction and I will bid on the Banksy. And so, the first part of the reason why I would want to bid on a Banksy is because of the creative aspect, because Banksy's are fantastic and it's just, it's just a beautiful thing, right? So... I buy something from Sotheby's in the real world, a Banksy, and that's fantastic. I get the kudos, I get the value out of it, and yes, I have a Banksy. And normally it's like, you know, sitting in a little uh, art space in my house. Whereas with the NFT, all of the information about buying an NFT is, is encrypted into the NFT. And so everybody knows I have it, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, I could go and copy-paste an image of Banksy um, on the internet, or I could buy a Banksy NFT, and everyone would know that I owned it because that ownership and the transaction of me buying it appears on the blockchain, much like people know that someone owns a whole lot of different SHIB because it's on the blockchain. So that's yeah. that's what NFT does. So it's basically a way of people knowing. So when I buy an NFT, people know that I own that NFT. And the value of that NFT, first of all, is in the eye of the beholder in terms of creative aspects. But then also the value of that is like, if I have an NFT and it's part of a cohort of NFTs that are selling for a high price, obviously what I've just bought will be part of that cohort and will have value because of the perceived value by the general public on maybe you know what they're even selling for. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's such a it's such a big space and there's so many people like wanting to get into it, like, oh, I want to do NFTs and I want to get into NFTs. Like they are here to stay. But NFTs at the moment are, yes, they are their own vertical, but as I keep alluding to, NFTs are but part of the initial building blocks of something even bigger, which is the metaverse. Yeah. And I think if you haven't ever collected something before, it is really hard to understand why someone would put so much value on something. But it is this, what we're talking about right now, having the kudos and the cred and having something on your wall. Like you can get a smart TV and put your NFT on a wall like an art. Well, well, I even saw some frames the other day that were a wallet in themselves and they, they would display your NFTs in a little frame, which is like pretty cool. Yeah. And that's just one element of this. Something that I want to dive into before we get to the metaverse is when you buy an NFT, you can associate a whole heap of other, I guess, tangible assets to it. Correct. And someone we've seen do this so exceptionally well is Gary V and V Friends. Oh, yes. Which I think that journey, watching that unfold was one of the funniest things for me outside looking in. I was like, what is going on? He's literally drawing like (laughs) stick figures on a piece of paper and he's going to try and sell them. What I, I just, I couldn't get my head around. Well, look, I look at it as associated value. So like we've been talking about previously, uh, you know, I buy an NFT, but does it have any real world implications? Like what what else does that give me? And, you know, it, it almost comes to a money can't buy scenario. So I can pick up an NFT and that NFT ownership will also give me exclusive access to a webinar or allow me to go to a, a launch in the real world of a pair of sneakers. Mm-hmm. Or it, it's that real world interaction, that additional aspects of what an NFT can give you. And that all depends on how the NFT is minted, what smart contracts are associated with it and who's minting it, you know. 
Yeah. And those smart contracts, like that is a huge, huge opportunity oh. to change the world. Like, again, Gary Vee has done this so well with uh, giving you one-on-one time yeah. or giving you special access to certain elements of his business. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to work with me, cool, okay, buy this NFT. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it gets it gets really exciting. And, you know, sometimes I'll like, have a shower thought, you know, shower thought, you're in the shower, yeah. and you're like, wow, we could use NFTs to be my COVID certificate. Do you know what I mean? We could use them as a passport. And I start to think about the real world implications of what an NFT is. And it starts to get crazy. Like, absolutely crazy. And once again, NFTs enable the metaverse. <laughs> yes. All right. So we're going to go there. You've led us there so okay, many okay. times. We're ready. Now, oh, guys, geez. this is heavy, but it is NFTs as a concept. When you're listening to it, you're hearing people talk about it right now. They're usually buying like a picture. They're buying something because they think that either it's cool or it's going to be worth a lot of money. Correct. That's one aspect of NFTs, and that is a place to make money right now. The metaverse is something that is a little bit more challenging to get your head around. We're going to take you on the journey. You're going to come with us. You're going to be okay, I promise. (laughs) And if you listen to this and understand it now, this is the start of something. It's like someone telling you about the internet before they've ever made it. That is correct. That is great. And look, you know, the metaverse. So, you know, as we spoke before, you know, Facebook has come out with Meta. And I, I think Facebook renaming itself to Meta is a little bit arrogant because Meta, you know, like you think about metadata, which is data about data. So therefore you would assume Meta is, is you know, or the metaverse is what's that? Is that a virtual world about the world? And it kind of actually is. Um, I must say though, before we dive too deep, recommended reading is uh, Snow Crash by yeah. Neil Stevenson. It came out in 1994 and it was actually the book that uh, coined the term the metaverse. And as required reading to get into the Xbox development team over in Redmond in Seattle, you must read Snow Crash by really? Neil Stevenson because it, yeah, exactly. It's like totally crazy. Okay. But then when you look into how it coined the metaverse, you then go, okay, well, where did Snow Crash come from? Where did Snow-? And then you go, okay, well, if I had to do more reading about the metaverse, I would actually want to go and read Neuromancer by William Gibson, because that coined and kind of like created a lot of the constructs of the metaverse. And just to define, the metaverse is a virtual world that we can inhabit, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at movies like Ready Player One. Ready Player One is kind of like a new school metaverse definition, and then you go Snow Crash, and then before Snow Crash, you go Neuromancer, and then before Neuromancer, you start getting into some of the really hardcore sci-fi by like Robert Heinlein from the 40s and 50s, which defines virtual worlds and how they were constructed. Now, back then, we were not able to actually experience the metaverse because we didn't have the networks and connectivity. We didn't have, you know, high throughput connectivity. We didn't have the processing power. We didn't have all the things needed to come together to create a virtual world that people can enter and interact with in real time, right? So, taking a further step in, in Snow Crash, and I won't give too much away, but there is the metaverse and it's a real world, but virtually. Mm-hmm. And so, it, the metaverse is limitless, So, for example, like if I physically went into the metaverse, I would be represented by an avatar, which would be an image or an NFT that Mm. would represent me. So, for example, if I wanted to be a one-off avatar, so a 3D walking, talking vision of me, I could effectively build that as an NFT and it could be a once-off and I could pay thousands of dollars for it. So, that's one type scenario of how an NFT works in the virtual world of the metaverse. But if we take it a step further, if I wanted to then go to the local, I don't know, Hungry Jacks, for example, in the metaverse. Now, the metaverse is limitless. It might be a trillion kilometers away. 
how am I going to get to that? Well, I might want to make a motorbike. And so in Snowcrest, for example, the main character, high road protagonist, effectively codes up and creates a, a virtual motorbike that he jumps on and he rides to where he needs to go. That could be an NFT. So I could go into the metaverse and I could buy a motorbike or I could buy a building that is an NFT, right? Yeah. Because it has value associated to it and it has a limited production run or a limited of one. So for the metaverse to actually work correctly, kind of like the real world, it needs a legitimate transactional environment that holds value, which are NFTs. So when people talk about NFTs, like, yes, it is a vertical in itself at the moment, but NFTs, as I said, are just the original or the building blocks of the metaverse, right? Now, concerning where we are in the metaverse in terms of the timeline, we are at kind of like 1993, 94 Netscape yes. right now. Now, everyone always says, oh, geez, wish I had got on, you know, back some tech stocks back in the, you know, mid to late 90s, I'd be a billionaire right now. Well, yeah, you would be, and there are out there. So that's where we are at with NFTs right now. So people need to understand that NFTs are a building block of the metaverse, and the metaverse is something that we are currently transitioning to. And, uh, you know, there's only one metaverse, right? It's all the different connected virtual worlds. So like uh, early days, like Stone Age is like Fortnite and Call of Duty and, you know, Unreal Tournament and things like that, virtual worlds. They're all collectively the metaverse. And the metaverse is where we will transact and do business. The metaverse is where we will socialize. The metaverse is where we'll experience new things. Um, It's next level. And the metaverse as a concept has been around for many, many decades, but it's only now that the infrastructure, understanding and things like blockchain are here to help us foster and create the metaverse. So don't get me started. I will keep I going. love this. <laughs> and we could literally spend weeks talking about this. Yes. But guys, if you're listening to this and your brain is hurting or you're like, oh my God, what? Like this is just for gamers, right? No. It's not. And I think it is so generational. Like we're seeing, I, I know myself, when people first started, Fortnite's a great example, first started going into Fortnite and they were paying so much money for tickets to a virtual concert. I was like, what? What are you doing? And like all of the skins and the things you can buy in games. I'm like, guys, like this is not real. What are you doing? But in the gaming world, it is very real. It's It's very real. And this is not about gaming. No. Gaming is where this is starting. This is about, if you think about where you are in the world right now and you're using maybe Slack at work to chat with people or with COVID, so many of us started working remotely. Wouldn't it be incredible, and it's not going to be hard to build, to have a way that you can connect with your coworkers in a virtual world and have water cooler chat and walk around the office together and walk around this virtual space together? That's what the metaverse is. It's not gaming. Yeah, it, exactly. And it's all encompassing. Like, like, if I could have meetings every day, I could literally like put on my best avatar. You know, walk into a boardroom and have a chat with all the boys and girls. It'd be fantastic. You know, oh, gee, I love your avatar today. It's looking really good. Yeah, it's sometimes it's hard to explain, but then at other times it's very easy to explain. Like when you say to someone, instead of doing a Zoom meeting, would you like to be sitting across from them? Like that's what we can do with the metaverse. And that's like a really infinitesimal small example of how the metaverse is as a whole. Like the metaverse will enable interplanetary communication in real time. The metaverse will enable an environment where we can transact um, on a universal currency or, or a particular crypto, depending what building you're in. <laughs> and the metaverse will also bring people together. And I think at this point in time in, in our society where we're being segmented by things like COVID and by all the other crazy stuff going on, we need things that can bring us together. And, and that's what the metaverse does. And, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook coming out as meta, yes, that's indicative of they are reading the room, but a little bit arrogant because the metaverse is for everyone. It's not just for corporations and people with heaps of crypto. 
Yeah. And that's going to be the challenge, I think, is being able to bring everyone together and make it something that everyone can access. Well, it, exactly. Because like I look at it like this. I've got a problem with running water in some countries, let alone mm-hmm. running electricity, let alone a $2,000 iPhone sitting in my hand that has the computing power that could launch five Sputniks. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so when you've got someone that has problems with running water and then you have someone that collectively is, is harnessing billions of dollars worth of infrastructure with $1,000 handsets, there is a divide. It always happens, but it's it's happening even faster at the rate of technological advancement, right? And the, the technocrats of the world need to start looking at this from a global level to, you know, it's like Musk, you know, it's Starlink. Starlink will provide access to rural areas for places where people don't have ADSL. So in effect, Starlink is bringing people together and it's creating an environment and infrastructure that will foster and allow the metaverse to grow and expand. So. And so when we're in this metaverse, like coming back to NFTs, sure. they're going to be like your shoes that your avatar is wearing. It's going to be your avatar. It's probably going to be the building that your avatar is in. It's going to be your workplace, like everything, the way that these are owned and the transfer of ownership is from NFTs. Correct. And so then let's go back to the creators because I think this is my favorite part around NFTs. This absolutely is my favorite part. Okay. So I'm an artist, right? I'm in a, I'm in a share house in Paddington in a garage and I'm like, I'm a struggling artist, right? And yes, I've created a fantastic piece of art and, um, you know, I eventually sell that piece of art, but it may have passed through five or six hands to get to a point where it can be sold for value. And then all these people take a little piece of the pie and then maybe the artist at the end of the day only actually gets 20% of of what the the art sold for. Whereas with NFTs, NFTs directly connect the creator community with revenue and the buyers. And it cuts out a lot of those middlemen. And that's concerning. And that is a paradigm shift in the current content world or content revenue world that we live in. So NFTs are fostering the creation of even better art and allow our artists and creators to be funded to do what they love. You know, and, and you know, I think what do they say? Like the, the peak of a, of a society is the art that it produces, right? So if you start to look at the Mycenaean um, crew, you know, that their, their art was amazing because they'd reached a point in their society where artists and creators were valued and fostered. And how do we do that today? Well, we do that via NFTs because we directly link the purchaser with the original content creator. And even more than that is that we can have a trailing revenue model off NFTs as well. So for example, you know, mm-hmm. I create an NFT, um, it gets sold, great, I get some cash. But then the next time that that same NFT is sold, I can get a small percentage of it. So it's like a royalty. And previously, uh, technologies that were involved in even trying to create royalties off digital assets or just digital pieces of media was insane. We had digital rights management. We had all these different architectures to allow us to, to track it, whereas that's all obsolete now because we obviously have NFTs. So what NFTs are currently doing for the creative community is fantastic and it had to happen. And it's crazy that blockchain, a very technical and crazy thing, is actually facilitating the quality of the artwork and media that we're putting out today. Yeah. And it is something that for that creative community, it's so incredibly cool to see how fast this is changing. Like even just looking last week, Adobe announced that they're going to be launching a feature that allows you to export and mint, which means turn into an NFT straight away. That's right. Which is so cool. It's like, oh, well, you don't even need to go to a third party to do that then. You design in Adobe, you go out into Photoshoot, you export, and then it's created into something you can sell, which is so powerful. And, you know, especially also with the proliferation of all the um, NFT platforms, like we've got OpenSea and Rarible and all these great platforms that give us direct access to punters that want to buy our art. Assuming I'm an artist here, but, you know, and it's like um, back in the day when people were going, oh my goodness, do you mean I can sell something and put it on a site and people will bid on it? 
And it's like, yeah, that's what that's this new thing called eBay. You know, that that's where we're at right now. As I said, ninety four Netscape. That's where we're at with NFTs, <laughs> and it's, it's got to get large. So hold on. <laughs> I love this so much. So Matt, let's chat about if I have made something. I'm a creator, and I've made something, or I want to buy it. Where can I do that? Well, so OpenSea is a really good example, which is an NFT platform. So OpenSea, first of all, is like an auction house and it lets me go in and view NFTs and purchase them. Um, I set up a MetaMask wallet, which mm-hmm. is a story for another day, but yeah. and then I can go and purchase an NFT. If I want to make an NFT, I can create an account. I can upload my artwork or my digital, anything in zeros and ones, basically. And then what happens is it goes through a minting process where relative uh, smart contracts are set up and those smart contracts will dictate uh, price, Sometimes it'll dictate who actually made that art and it'll have all the different bits and pieces that you need to know. So for example, a smart contracts on NFT will say, yes, you can on sell that. And then a trailing commission or a trailing royalty will go back to the artist. So you create the art in, in whatever medium you like, you upload it to something like OpenSea, you go through the minting process and then it's up there for all the world to see and anyone can come along and buy if they've got the ETH. <laughs> so cool. And who's making these? Like we touched on Martha Stewart made some. But who else is making NFTs at the moment? Everyone is making NFTs at the moment. And yes, it's definitely a bubble, but it's a sustainable bubble and all go up and down like most crypto things, but it's here to stay. So people that are making um, NFTs are artists, shoe companies, a whole lot of stuff like, you know, as I said, Martha Stewart, for goodness sake, you know what I mean? That's kind of crazy. So really anyone with the creative that just wants to get their creative juices out there is making NFTs. But, you know, as we touched on previously, that's just the first step because the second step is real world implementations like a COVID certificate or a driver's license or my car registration or even a concert ticket. So NFTs at the moment are segmented into kind of the creative community, but as adoption kicks in, that will then be used in the broader community for everyday logistics of just living life. Yeah. And there's been some really fun NFTs made over the last few weeks. Like we've seen Nike, there's not been no big announcements yet, but they have patented Crypto Kicks, which is wow. for their shoes. Sorry, they're creating digital shoes. Which is what you would wear in the metaverse. Bing, ding, see full circle. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. And it does come along with that authenticity. So, Correct. you know, you know, you've got a legit pair of Jordans on when you right. own the NFT, when you yeah, buy that exactly. as well. And that might come with an actual real world pair of shoes. That you know, correct. if that's the additional thing that's included in that smart contract is you get some real kicks. Cool. That's it. And the NBA is coming on board. I saw that. All the trading cards. Well, you have a look at what's happening in Europe with the soccer at the moment. You know, you can get NFT trading cards of all your favorite players and then you can do fantasy league things and all that sort of stuff. But we will see a proliferation of really crazy ideas for NFTs, much like back at the start of the internet, you know, when people could say like, you could just find a stray dog and stick.com to its bum and it would raise a million dollars. You know what I mean? Yes, there is that craziness, but um, it'll start to settle down. They reckon it's like five five to seven years before we start to really see NFTs properly adopted in society as an essential thing. Like we use QR codes, you know, like QR codes were launched in 2006 and they originally, I believe, came from Toyota Mm -hmm. and Toyota used QR codes to put on machine parts to allow them to track the parts to move around the world move forward, what, 15 years, and now QR codes are being used for everything and everyone, it's just a normal part of life. It is. And that's how NFTs will will go. Yeah, and there's always something that was new once. Like your iPod was new once. Mm. 
using PayPal was new once. Like mm-hmm. all of these things are new, crazy technologies that are really challenging to get your head around. That's right. But there is, even if you've been in the crypto world for a long time, you'll remember the apps that were first built on the ETH network. <laughs> Hello, Crypto Kitties. <laughs> like, there was so many crazy things that happened. And now we're seeing that transition into real world applications. Like exactly. my favorite one that I will always talk about is those luxury fashion houses that are attaching the authenticity of bags on there. Like, cool. Where's this been my whole life? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, look, I totally get it. I totally get it. It's it's huge and it's it's hard to kind of get your head around because NFTs are just, as I said, the kicking off point to the metaverse and beyond. Something and so, even bigger. So yeah, guys, if you have listened to this and it's been maybe a little hard to get your head around, you're thinking, what? I can buy like digital real estate. I can yeah. buy digital shoes and it's not in a game. This is one that you should go back and listen to again. Because it is something that we're at the very early stages of. And this, again, is an opportunity to be at the start of something. Correct. And to understand it, which I think is the main purpose of this entire podcast, is we want to empower you guys to know what you're talking about and to really understand where you are. So if it has been a little challenging to get your head around, go back and listen again. I promise it will be worth it. But Matt, thank you so much for coming on today. If anyone wants to learn any more about this, where would you suggest they start? There's a couple of really cool um, players in the market. Um, I have an associate. Her name is Zoe Scaman, and she's out of London. She runs a, a strategic consultancy business called Bodacious. Follow her across all the platforms, right? Do your own research. Just type it into Google and, ha- and start going down a rabbit hole, uh, okay. you know, and read Snow Crash. Yes, I love that. Well, amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 